Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 144 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I am thrilled that you're here with me today. Today, I'm talking to Katie Forrest, who is a darling and a peach, and it was delightful to talk to someone like her, one of those people who gets everything done, and we talk about how she does it. We also talk about crafting character quirks, and I know that you're going to love the interview, so hold tight for that. Today in update, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about writing, uh, because I realized the other day I don't talk much about writing. I let my interviewees talk about it, which is fantastic. But sometimes I have things that I feel very passionately about. And I talk to everybody about these topics, except for the podcast, because I forget. So I'm going to try to do better at remembering to talk about the things I'm talking to my classes about the things that have made a real big difference in my own writing life. So today, let's talk about writing sprints and how they can save your writing life. If you are not doing writing sprints, you are really missing out in harnessing a power that works so well for so many people. The truth is everything that we do expands to fill the time. We allot to it. I can clean the house in 30 minutes, or I can clean the house in six hours, depending on what I have for it. The real truth is, is that my marriage is absolutely dependent upon the fact that we can afford to have a housekeeper come in every two weeks so I don't actually clean the house. Otherwise, uh, I would be divorced. It's cheaper than therapy. So we have a house cleaner, but you know what I'm saying. The same is true about writing. If you tell yourself you want to write a thousand words today and you give yourself a couple of hours to do it, you will faff about and you'll get a thousand words probably in those two hours. And if you gave yourself half an hour, writing sprint, writing hard, writing fast, you would also get it done. And then you'd have an hour and a half to faff about without guilt. So if you're not doing writing sprints, try them. What I would love you to do, um, I was just watching Sarah Cannon's new video. I really like her writing advice. Uh, she was talking about doing 20 minute word sprints, which I just think are the ideal length for a word sprint. Anywhere between 15 minutes and 45 minutes is great for a word word sprint. Even shorter if that's what you need to do. Uh, 45 minutes, I'm about to die at the end of a word sprint. I, I can type fast for that long. I cannot do 46 minutes. It's a mental block. I could probably push myself through it. 20 minutes though is kind of a nice meaty section and you're going straight for the reward at the end of it. So that works. If you have never tried this, what it does is it forces your brain to go fast and it forces you to get out of your inner editor's way to actually push the inner editor out of your way. That's why I love write or die that uh, application that if you have never tried, you absolutely should. It's free online. Use the write or die version two. Version three is too wobbly. Version two is great. What you do is you write inside it and then you export your words into your document. Whether you're in Word or Scrivener, you do not keep your words in write or die, but you use it to keep your hands moving, to just keep typing. You can set up, uh, you've probably heard about write or die, but if you haven't, if you're one of the two people who hasn't, 
um, you set it up to give yourself a reward or punishment as you're going along. Mostly it's about punishments because it's called write or die. I set it up so the screen just goes red if I stop writing. That is enough to pull me back to reality and out of looking out the window. And I start writing again. You can also set it up that it makes terrible noises and sounds. It will also drop spiders and other scary things onto your computer. In the very worst setting, the hardest core setting, it'll scramble the word you just wrote and then delete it and, and work backwards, deleting your words as it goes. There's no control Z. You can't get those words back. They are just gone. That is enough to keep most people writing as fast as they can. You And it shows you how many words you're writing a minute. You can set it to whatever time you want. I have dedicated two books to it. It is the way I write first drafts because if I sit down with my Scrivener document and start, you know, I want to write a thousand or two thousand words, it'll take me forever. If I just turn on write or die and do a word sprint of whatever length I choose that day, the words get done. I can't stop writing. I'm writing a crappy first draft. I'm getting out of my own way, which is if I'm just in Scrivener, I'll write a sentence and then I'll think about it. I might even adjust it a little bit. You don't do that when you're in Write or Die. Uh, I was just over in um, my Slack channel for 90 Days to Done because I'm doing 90 Days to Done with my class. And a student put in there that on days that she can't write, she'll sometimes move away from her laptop and use her portable keyboard with her iPhone and open up a document. She's using her portable keyboard. And then she turns her iPhone upside down so she can't see. She's just typing. It's kind of a hack on that... What is that? Um, you know what? I can't remember the name of that keyboard that a lot of people like to write on where it just shows you a couple of lines of text. It's even better than that. In, in some cases, I, when I'm struggling and I'm judging every word I put down, I turn the brightness down on my screen to zero. It's completely black screen and I'm just typing, close my eyes and let the words go. Just keep the hands moving because what you're doing is you're just writing a crappy first draft that you can revise. If you revise as you go, as I always say, if you are finishing books, then that is your method. If you revise as you go and you are not finishing books, that is not your method. And your method is to fast draft a novel so that it will show you what it wants to be so that you can revise it. And 95 to 97% of writers, scientifically proven by my unofficial studies, write that way. They need to fast draft. So um, that's my encouragement to you to this week. If you haven't tried it, try it. Do some 20 minutes. Uh, do some 20 minute um, sprints and take your average of how many writes you, words you write in that. Then you're going to really know solidly how fast you write, how much you can expect yourself to write given any circumstances. So try it. Let me know how it goes. In other news, I would like to tell you about a reading that I had on Tuesday night because I know I told you that a month ago Stolen Things came out and I had this fantastic reading at the Bindery in San Francisco and it was magical. So many people came. The room was full. I would guess there was about a 100 people there, maybe 90 or people in the other room like leaning in because it was standing room only. It was magical. It made me feel like a million dollars. And then Tuesday night, it was a reading of, uh, it was three authors. It was me and my besties, Sophie Littlefield and Julia Blackwell. Three authors to draw people, three authors pushing, promoting, uh, doing all the same kind of advertising to our groups as we did anywhere else. And we got three non-family members who showed up. We had some family members, like two or three family members there, and three non-family members, uh, none of whom 
bought a book, actually, must say. I bought books. Sophie bought books. Julie bought books. Shannon bought books, but the people who came did not. And it was just kind of mortifying. And I'm always so embarrassed when that happens because I want the booksellers to make money. That is what I want. I never want to let the booksellers down. And this is just to say that there are vagaries in the author life that we cannot predict. Some readings will, some, some public events, you'll have tons of people and it'll feel great. And some events you'll have none. I think I've had a reading where nobody showed up, but I can't actually remember it. I, I feel like there was one and I may have blocked it out. There was a, <laughs> there was an awesome, awful reading in Indianapolis once where only two people came and I ended up uh, taking them out to dinner, just saying, screw this, the reading's off. Let's all go out to dinner together. Those people are still my friends. It was such a good night. And I'm mentioning all of this because I'm super worried about a reading next week that I have. It's not even a reading. It's a talk. Oh my gosh. And I should invite you. I'm going to invite you. Please. Oh my God, please. If you're in the Bay Area or anywhere that is drivable within the range of my voice, um, September 25th, which is Wednesday, if you're listening to this in a timely fashion, which you're probably not. So I understand that. September 25th at 7 p.m. at Crowded Fire Theater in San Francisco. I am going to be in discussion with Mina Marita about stolen things. You don't need to have read it, but we're going to be discussing some of the political themes and some of the uh, stuff that happens in the book in a discussion format on the stage at Crowded Fire. And oh my gosh, if you come because of the podcast, I will give you the biggest hug. That would mean so much because I'm really worried it's going to be me and my sister, who is the managing director at the theater, and Mina, who's the artistic director at the theater, and like one weird guy who wandered in off the street. So please come. If there's only two of us, there's only two of y'all, we'll go out to dinner. How about that? So you should come. Oh my God, please come. Crowded fire, 7 p.m. September 25th, 2019. <laughs> that would be amazing if somebody came to this. I'm super nervous about it, but I shouldn't be. I'm not going to let my sister down. I'm not going to let bookstores down. It is just one of those author things that we worry about. And I feel better even having just talked to you about it. If you're not there, I will hold you there with me in spirit. So let's jump into the interview. Katie's delightful. I hope that your writing is going well. Please reach out and talk to me about it at any time. You can reach me at howdoyouwrite.net or anywhere on the internet where I can be found. My email is rachel at rachelherron.com. I respond to every email. If you don't get a response, then you spelled my name wrong probably or it went to spam, but that doesn't usually happen. I'm usually checking. That is all. Enough of an introduction this week. Enjoy the interview and I wish you very happy writing, my friends. Hey, writers. I've opened up some coaching slots. I'm not taking clients on a weekly basis right now as I'm working on my own books, but I am doing one-offs. I call them tune-ups. Tell me your plot problems and ask your character queries. Let me know what stumbling blocks you're up against. Get tips and tricks to get you back on the right track. Ask me questions about all things publishing. Together, we'll brainstorm your specific plan of action, making sure you're in the driver's seat of your book again. You'll receive a 30-minute call over Skype or FaceTime, giving you the honest encouragement you need to keep getting better. 
or a polite ass kicking if that's what you need and ask for. Plus, you'll get an MP3 audio recording or MP4 video, your choice of our chat, so you can re-listen at your leisure. And if you want a little more help, I can also critique either 10 pages or your book's outline and talk you through my findings. Just check out rachelherron.com slash coach for more info. I'd love to work with you. Now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show Katie Forrest. Hello, Katie. Hi. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm looking forward to talking to you about many things. First, a a little bio. Katie Forrest is an indie author who writes fiction under two pen names and writes on time management for authors and more at katieforrest.com. I was just over at your website. I love the stuff that you have over there about time management. I am a time management junkie. Um, (laughs) So I would love to talk to you about your process and how you manage this because you are very busy. Will you tell us a little bit about the ways in which you are busy? Yeah, sure. Um, So I think everybody is busy and I think everybody who gets a lot done is busy. I think busy people are the ones going out getting the things done. Um, The ways that I am particularly busy, um, I'm a lawyer by trade. um, So I run a law firm um, and I have a daughter with quite complex special needs. um, So they're my other things I'm juggling around publishing fairly frequently um I aim for monthly um I have not made the monthly (laughs) aim this year but last year I was publishing every month as well that's amazing and you're publishing a novel every month yeah fairly short kind of between 30,000 and 60 yeah still I just like heard people fall out of their chairs (laughs) as you said that all over the world (laughs) bang (laughs) That is truly amazing. I think you did 11 books in 2018. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I was, I was prowling around your blog posts as I do. Um, before that, and you had mentioned, uh, that you're an obliger, like, uh, Gretchen Rubin talks about, as am I. And you had to figure some things out to take yourself from not publishing to publishing. Can you talk a little bit about what that, what that looked like? Yeah, so I've I've always wanted to write. Um, ever since I was a little girl, I was the geek who was in my bedroom on a typewriter and then a word processor <laughs> and then too. finally a laptop, um, <laughs> just quite happily typing away. Um, never, ever imagined it would be a career choice, but, you know, my background just did not support that kind of being a possibility at all. Um, so... <laughs> And then I grew up and I got all of these responsibilities and I always imagined one day I'll do it. Um, and then I got to the end of 2017, it would be, and I realized I need to just commit and I need to make it happen for myself. And then 2018 was when I did that. And it was really an epiphany for me to realize I can actually set this target for myself and finish a book because I was great at starting things I was great at doing like 2,000 words and then Mm -hmm. abandoning a project and starting something else and doing 5,000 words Um, but to actually take something from start to finish was quite amazing for me. (laughs) And how did you make that how did you make that happen? I think I just drew a line in the sand and I just told myself there is not going to become a perfect time there's my life is not going to clear up I'm not going to reach a point where everything else calms down so I just need to do it um 
I kept it quite secretive um, at the start because I wasn't doing it for anybody else to tell me how great I was for writing a book. Um, it was purely something to do just for me. And so I was getting up really early. I'm definitely a little early bird. I can't stay up late at all, as you know, because we've rearranged our talk today, <laughs> because originally it would have been after my bedtime with the time difference. Well, when you pointed out it would be 10, I just thought, oh my God, I go to bed at nine. I could not stay up until 10 to do a podcast. <laughs> Happy to reorganize that. <laughs> So yeah, lots of getting up early. Um, what is what does early look like? What 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 time do you get up? My daughter has trained me really well for the last ten years to be quite okay with getting up early. She's up at like six o'clock in the morning. So if I'm getting up early to write, it's probably five. Um, and I can do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that feels a lot better for my body than me trying to stay up until midnight. That just couldn't happen. <laughs> Yeah. You also mentioned on your site that you do something a little bit uh, crazy, which I've done once, um, is that you put up a pre-order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a pre-order on Amazon or wherever else. And, um, and, you, <laughs> and you said that sometimes the book is not even, you don't even have what the idea is about yet. I love yeah, that. Literally. Um, like, I, I released a book in December last year um, and when I put the pre-order up, I'd obviously got the title, I'd got the cover, no idea what the story was going to be about. I thought, well, I need to give it at least a tagline. So when I put the pre-order up, the blurb was one sentence um, and I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> I better write a book that kind of fits that tagline. Um, but I, I work quite well to that outside pressure, even though it's me creating the outside pressure, it's a nice little trick that gets me to stick to my goals it's terrifying and it would absolutely work it worked for me the one time I did it um although I had something terrible happen where I, I didn't understand the Amazon rules and the, the 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 book that went out that time was the uncopy edited version because I thought I had the last 72 hours to unlock it and yeah. put in it's the 72 hours that you're blocked out so oh. that was embarrassing Embarrassing, but oh well, you know, you live, you learn. <laughs> Absolutely, you do. Yeah, I've I've had some adventures with pre-orders, but on the whole, it works well for me. I definitely think for some people, it could really work the opposite way and um, kind of freeze them into not being able to take action. But yes. it works okay for me. And it is one of those things. It's not like it's not like the Amazon police will come knocking at your door and drag you to jail. You just get you're just not allowed to put up a pre-order for a year. I think. So yes, um, although I I did have an incident this year where I had to cancel a pre-order. I knew I wasn't going to make the pre-order date, and I explained to Amazon, and they very nicely allowed me to cancel it and keep my pre-order privileges. So I'm Good. not saying do that, but <laughs> if anybody's listening and they're in that position, it is worth reaching out to them, and and they may oh they that's may really let you interesting possibly. <laughs> Well, do you mind, and, and you can absolutely say no to this, but do you mind sharing what genre you write in under your pen name? Yeah, so it's cozy mystery and romance. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your decision for using the pen name, is it to keep your professional life separate from your writing life? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm I'm writing about crimes and murders, and I'm a criminal lawyer. Um, so there is no connection, but I didn't want any clients thinking, "Well, am I the, the motivation here? Am I the inspiration between this this character or this bad guy?" Um, so, yeah, that that was a big reason why. 
So when you're writing mysteries, that takes some forethought, does it not? Or are you, are you a plotter or a pantser? Uh, a plotter, definitely. And and actually, I think that's one of the big things that did help me finally start to finish projects. Um, for a long time, I would just kind of pants my way into a corner. Um, so plotting really has helped me know where the story is going to end up. Yeah. Wow, that is impressive. Okay, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Getting the stories to line up nicely. Um, there's so many things I want to write, so many ideas I've got, um, so many genres that I'd like to have a go at. Just, yeah, so many things I'm drawn to writing and exploring, and it's just trying to get them to fall into a queue nicely. <laughs> I have I have four dancing in my head right now, and um, just this morning I sat down and gave myself a stern talking to that I will do the two that are in front of me before I do anything else. Like I literally had to journal my way into accepting yeah. I cannot start a new project today. Cannot so start a new book. So you two at the same time? Or? I'm trying to do two at the same time. One fiction, one nonfiction. Wow. Um, which is the only way I've been successful doing that before is to do a creative nonfiction piece at the time, at the same time as a novel. Like I don't think I could do uh -huh. two novels at the same time. I know people who do, but yeah. I mean, and I've edited them at the same time, like writing a new draft while editing something that's come back from copy edits or something like that. But other than yeah. that, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I don't think I could. I, I have not been brave enough to try that yet. <laughs> I, get, I get names of characters confused even when I'm just writing one book. I <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I cannot absolutely. imagine how I would butcher that. All right. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Um, I think that moment where the characters start to come alive mm -hmm. and you're kind of, you don't feel like you're writing the story anymore. You feel like they have taken over. Um, yeah, that's... That's my favorite point. I, I talk quite often about one of my stories in particular. Um, and as I plotted it, I knew who the killer was. As I was writing it, I knew who the killer was. And then I got very, very close to the end of the book. And one of my recurring characters was whispering in my ear saying, you do know I did it, don't you? And I was like, sure, up, of course you didn't. Um, <laughs> and this character would not be quiet. And eventually I realized oh my God. Yeah, they're right. They did it. Um, and but I bet that was surprising to everybody that, especially that you had not seen it coming. Yeah, I really hadn't. And it made the story so much better. Like he clearly knew what was going on more than I did. <laughs> Isn't so, that yeah, that's, wonderful? It's like magic, isn't it? It's yeah. just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Oh my goodness. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Um... One of the things that I do is I give every character free quirks. Um, sorry, I call them quirks, but it's really just points of their personality that are interesting to me. Okay. And I do it for every single character, um, even if it's quite a minor character. Mm. Um, and those quirks may never make their way onto the page, but I will have them in my mind as I'm writing them and bringing them to life. And I think that's quite handy. So it, it could be anything. It could be like this guy has got all of his tins in his cupboards facing the right way. It could be this person only writes with black pens, you know, whatever. Um, but they're just little pieces that bring the characters more to life for me, really, more than the reader as I'm writing. I think that's a beautiful thing to do. I have a very hard time with characters until usually the book is almost done. And then they start breathing and then I have to go back yeah. and revise and make them into the breathing yeah. people. How do you how do you find these quirks? Do they come to you when you're looking at the character or do you see them out in the world and say, oh, I'm going to give that to a character? 
Um, it's a bit of both. Um, and, and some of them are my own quirks. Um, I mean, my sister, when she read one of my books, um, she, she told me afterwards, oh, I've realized which character is you because this character sits with their legs crossed and so do you. Um, and I had to say, no, I just, <laughs> I was just lazy and I gave her one of my quirks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I also always sit with my legs crossed. Always. I, I just thought this morning that if my if my knee ever goes out, I'll be, I will. I don't even know how I would sit anymore. <laughs> I do not know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sat in a swivel chair now, and I've literally got my legs crossed underneath me. It's 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 quite a test getting up actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? It's probably it's probably the criminal law. Um, and I don't know if it affects my writing in a surprising way, but it really draws me to, I don't believe that there are good guys and bad guys. Mm. Um, and I've seen from my work that very often there is just a single moment in a person's life where everything changes, where a good person makes a terrible choice or they're just placed in a desperate position. And that really, really fascinates me. So in my cozy mysteries in particular, um, I do try to bring my bad guys to life and, and I, nobody is a villain in their own story, are they? So yeah, um, I think that's something I'm quite fascinated by. That's beautiful. I've known a lot of lawyers who get into writing. Yes. Have we you really noticed that? Yes, absolutely. And I don't know why, um, because you would imagine that being a lawyer is quite practical and quite fact driven. And then this is just very different. So I, I don't know why, but I've definitely noticed the same trend. Well, I have a theory that it's something about um, a driven personality type. I think that that yeah. has to be part of it, right? And also the fact that you do know how to write. Every lawyer, every lawyer knows how to write. And perhaps yes. you're, just, you're just busting at the seams to write something fun that is not as true as you can make it, but as, as made up as you can make it. I, w- yes. I would think that that would draw me to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was a um, 911 dispatcher for many years before I turned to writing, but I, I I spent all of those years not writing about 911, and my 911 book just came out. Um, but I had to do the same thing as you. There, were, there could be no crossover for a long time. I'm very excited to read time. that book. Oh, I hope you <laughs> like it. <laughs> uh, speaking of books, what is the best book you've read recently, and why did you love it? Um, so I want to say that it's called maybe you should talk to someone. Um, it's a nonfiction book. And I think the author is Laurie Gottlieb. Um, and it's a book about therapy. Um, she's a therapist. Oh, and I saw that advertised. Of, yeah. Oh, so good. It's so good. Um, it's, it's quite a big book, but mm-hmm. it's a really easy read. Um, and it's case studies of her clients and well, patients um, and their journeys, but then also her own journey as she goes into therapy and her relationship with her therapist. Um, and it was just absolutely fascinating. A really, really good book. Oh, that sounds oh, wonderful. And it seems like that would be a really good place to steal characters from, too. Is... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Not steal them whole cloth, but, you know, steal them, make them ours, shift them a little bit. I love yeah, to I love to find people that way. <laughs> yes. I just read a book you might like called Help Me by... I've read... Oh, isn't it wonderful? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really loved it. It's It was like she wrote it for me. It's a stunt memoir about self-help books, and it was so good. I just loved it, so... Excellent. Yes. Um, yes. I'm gonna. Ho- I'm hoping to get her on the show too. Uh, oh, yeah. 
what would you like to tell us about right now? Where can we find you and what you do for writers? Because I know that that is out. That is not a secret. No, 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 that's out. So um, I'm working on my first nonfiction book, um, which will be time management um, slash productivity for writers. Um, and on my website, which is katieforrest.com, there is a free um, kind of a little book of hacks, um, time management hacks, so people can grow across and get that. Um, and I've also got a really, really small Facebook group, um, and it's called Time Management for Writers by Katie Forrest. Um, and I post a daily time tip in there. And I'll be honest, at the moment, it's got my um, victim volunteers who are going to be case studies for the book. So it's a tiny, tiny group. Oh, how cool. And I and I'm kind of just just dripping some content into there really and seeing what people are interested in um so it will play a big part in shaping the content of the book so that's a great place to find me and hang out with me as well that's wonderful yes. and when the book is out hit me up send me a copy and we'll get you back on the air because I want, I want to talk thank about you. all those tips and hacks too well it has thank been a delight you. to talk to you thank you so much it'd be wonderful thank yeah. you so much okay well take care and happy writing to you Thank you. You too. Thanks, Rachel. Bye, Katie. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.